Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... It is easy to leave a burning building when it is on fire. But what if that building contains the very thing that gives you life, excitement, peace, joy, courage, and wonder? Will you be an agent of change or do nothing and eventually leave? If you work in Catholic ministry, business, or education and need quality content on your website or social media pages, contact The Simple Catholic for copywriting services at thesimplecatholic.blog and click on the Writing Services page for more information. The Church Militant Needs Soldiers Against the Enemy. Enlist the Simple Catholic in this fight for the truth. Good News Ministries of GNM.org It's the Catholic place for growing your faith. Good News Ministries will provide you with faith-building reflections, virtual retreats, prayer resources, and lots more. All of it is free. Visit gnm.org today. This is the Padua Podcast Network. You know, you have this beautiful woman who comes up to you and she's like, I just didn't know. I didn't know, Mary, and they're in tears. And you're like, it's okay. It's okay. You didn't know. All right. Well, Father's right over there. I'll walk with you. Just have a conversation. It might not even be a moment for confession, but talk to him. Talk to, you know, see where you are. What is it you can do? How do you get rid of that feeling of guilt or that feeling of shame that you've been carrying and you've expressed in different ways, but you didn't know the root of it? Hmm. And now you do. And now you can, you can let it go and give it to God and allow him to work through it. Thriving in the Trenches. It's the podcast where you will hear stories from real people with real purpose, all for a God who loves us with a real love. The Trenches, where life isn't always easy, but it is a place for women to be encouraged and equipped to uniquely and universally serve Christ in their feminine vocation. So, together, let's go deeper in our faith in God, in His church, and in our friendships. You are welcome here. Welcome to Thriving in the Trenches podcast. This is Becky Carter, and I'm your host. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. I hope the first episode gave you plenty to chew on. I hope that you thought of someone that you could share it with, that someone who needed to be encouraged in some way. And if they did not quite feel encouraged by the first episode, that they will indeed feel encouraged by the end of the second story. Because, you know, typically we've got to go through the valley, which I feel is kind of where we were on the first episode or the first part of this interview and coming out and the redemption that happens at the end. And that is where we will finish the conversation, the interview that Mary and I had Um the first time around. So here is the second part. May God bless you. Okay, Mary. Well, I am going to welcome you back for the second edition, the second piece, the final, the conclusion of our conversation about truth bombs and fairy godmothers. Um, so <laughs> welcome it's back. It's a joy to be here. <laughs> Good. Okay. So I'm thinking 
you know, if you if you don't have anything else you want to add before we kind of jump in where we so rudely got interrupted by the battery failure. Well, I think what we were talking about was, you know, what happens, the objectification of that intimate act, you know, what happens when you remove God from the bedroom, when you remove him from that gift that he has given you in our sexuality and in within the sacrament of marriage. And um, I know for myself, when we did that, I mean, that led us down a road. Addiction was already there. Pornography was already present in our marriage. But that really just, it's like it lit a bomb in, in our bedroom. And um, when you take away the purpose and the reason for that intimate act, the procreation of children, um, then it becomes an objectification 101 course on how, you know, the misuse of our sexuality and our, and sex and that act that we are given as husband and wife, um, just, just becomes something so much less. And it really denigrates the beauty that God has given us in it. And it denigrates the theology of the other's body. Um, and it just, for us, it brought tremendous, um, desolation to our marriage. And, it took us a long time to climb out of that, and in that process, I we came to the full understanding of what we had done, what I had done, you know, um, and we had to grieve our fertility, and we had to grieve our decision, and we had to seek restoration of relationship with God through confession, um, but we still lived, we had to live, you know, we're still living with the ramifications of that choice, so while there is sadness in that, there's also this staunch, um, I don't know what to, what the word is, but I just feel this fierceness of speaking truth now. Like, you know, I, I am not afraid to talk about this. I'm not afraid to talk about what we did, why we did, how we did, and what God showed us through it, how he loved us through that, and how he continues to show the beauty and the truth of marriage and its true intent and how he redeemed and restored our marriage bed and how we learned natural family planning, you know, many years later, we taught it for several years. We actually abstained because I, I did keep my, my ovaries. I had a partial hysterectomy at 35 and, um, I retained my ovaries. So we actually practiced NFP, even though I couldn't have a child in reparation for what we had done, which was a challenge from uh, our pastor to do so until menopause naturally uh, occurred. So, I mean, we had to we had to come face to face with our own selfishness. We had to come face to face with our own fear, our lack of trust in the Lord and His plan for our life. And those are not easy things. They're not easy things, no matter what the decision is you've made. But especially when it comes to something so intimate and so precious as your fertility. Mm-hmm. What a brave priest to yeah. ask you to make reparation in that way. He um, he really walked. He walked. He was my spiritual director for seven years, and he walked us through. Gosh, the last he's been with us last fifteen years of our life, and and he boldly spoke into that. I mean, he was so happy when. When I confessed, we, I'm obviously Jerry and I didn't share a confessional. Mm-hmm. He went to confession, mm-hmm. I went to confession, but he was 
you really walked us through some of the hardest parts of that. And his one goal was reparation and restoration. He's like, you know, we need, you need to know, yes, what you did was wrong morally. I mean, it was a mortal sin and you have been carrying this for a long time and praise God that, you know, you recognize it and you're here and you're repenting for it. And, and I see the sorrow in your face. I hear it in your voice. I, I look at what you're doing within your marriage, within our, the parish community and how you're trying to rebuild this. And he goes, and I, I, you know, I just feel like for you and, and for Jerry, where you are, that if you do this sort of redemptive act, this restorative thing, um, I think it would be very helpful to you. And it was to us because, you know, A, it helped us learn the method, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that we could read charts better and we could help with the teaching and all of that. But B, it, it gave us that conversation that we had ignored 15 years earlier, you know, um, yeah. Even though, like I said, I could not physically bear a child, the mindset was still there that this is gift. And um, and it freed us so much of all the guilt and the shame and, um, you know, made us ever vigilant toward, like I said, what we expose ourselves to and what we read and what we see, um, made us ever more vigilant with our son. Um, we became bolder in our youth ministry in calling out things, not, you know, in a public arena, but just watching where the kids were and what they were exposing themselves to and, you know, taking a side when necessary, like, hey, are you thinking about this? Are you thinking about that? It just made us bold in a way that we never would have been if we had not walked through just fire with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, as you talk about repentance and reparation and um, in our, our little break between our first conversation and this second one, um, I was... I was at mass with with my kids and just kind of replaying everything we talked about. And something that I felt was very important for me to clarify in in this moment is how our story is similar yet it's very different. The reparation was different. You weren't able to yeah. reverse it. We were yeah. able to reverse it. Um the redemption and the restoration um it looks different. Um I haven't had a child either. We haven't we haven't conceived post reversal either. So we're still in the same way grieving that um, loss of more children. And um, but my what I really want anyone who is listening to this to hear is that what is the same is that God is the redeemer and he restores. Amen. Though it will not look the same in everyone's life. And so when you hear stories of people who have walked through something similar, comparing that is is so dangerous and the thief of joy because and there will there are people I know people who have had reversals and then had two three children uh, afterwards and yeah. um, that may not be our path God may be calling us to dig in to the children we have now and really form them and um, I may be you know forty five and <laughs> oh hello child you know I mean there we're yeah. open and. Um, but see, that's the key. You're open. Mm -hmm. You're still open. And while you do grieve 
the decision, you grieve the ramifications of the decision, you are still open to that restorative act, you're still open to that redemption, you're still open to the love that is flowing from God to you, you know, mm-hmm. and through your sacrament of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, no one story is the same. Each of us are called to such a unique journey, this side of heaven. We're each given different gifts and talents. We're each given different crosses, and God allows what He allows in our life. That idea of comparison, even in the midst of suffering, we have to reject it. We cannot compare. Um, you know, the sin of sterilization might be the same, as you said, but how it affects our marriage, how it affects our family in the present and in the future, how it affected it at the time that we did that. Um, It's all different because we're different. I'm made in the image and likeness of God as you are, but we are as unique as our fingerprint. Mm -hmm. There is no other one of us. You know, there's only one of us, which my husband is like, praise Jesus. There's only one of (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Um, But there is only one of us. You know, I've experienced what I've experienced. My faith journey is so unique and and so my own, you know, even mm-hmm. within my marriage, my husband is very different and how he has experienced redemption and restoration and how he sees it all is very different mm-hmm. than how I see it. Um, just couples with that we know who have struggled mightily with natural family planning, just with health concerns, financial concerns, loss of job, um, you know, all of that sort of thing. And, and for them to be in the thick of things and to be um, open to that conversation of, you know, we just feel it's a grave circumstance that we not have another child right now. So we're going to use the gifts that God has given us with these different methods. And But we're still open to life. We're still open to that miracle. And um, I've watched time and time again when those special miracles show up that were unexpected and who those kids turn out to be. And it's just amazing to watch. And I know that for me, that was not that was not meant to be. That was not what God allowed in my life. But he gave me nine godchildren. He surrounded me with 19 nieces and nephews. Um, he gave me beautiful families who have brought Jerry and myself and our son into their family as if we are blood relatives. Um, I'm, we've done youth ministry for 13 years. We're surrounded by teenagers all the time. (laughs) It's just this beautiful gift of motherhood. Mm -hmm. It's spiritual motherhood. And for those that experience infertility, whether it be primary or secondary, there is this great gift that they can have. And I know it does not ease the ache in their heart. I know that, um, I would never equate that to that, but it does exist for us. We, as women, are made to mother. We are made to mentor. Our bodies are made to carry another. And sometimes we don't physically get to do that, but we are always open to the spiritual side of that relationship. And and for me, that is where a lot of my um, restoration has come from, through other people's children and through the gift of who they are and how I can sit and listen um, where a parent might be too emotionally involved or too, you know, the, the, they can't see um, or hear. And I know what I was like as a parent myself. So I know those times exist. And I am not their parent, but I listen and I encourage and I pray for them. And I'm just present. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a gift that God has given Jerry and myself to be able to do that. And um, does it take away the deep ache that exists way deep down in my heart, knowing 
that um, there should be more children in this house? No, only God can heal that, and that'll be healed on the day that I stand before him. Mm -hmm. But I don't live in a sea of regret because that's from the devil, and that's he wants my joy to be gone. He wants me to live in comparison. He wants that bruise stood on so that it aches again and that I forget what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to go and where I'm supposed to be now. And so we have to reject that voice. We have to reject um, regret. We have to reject um, that comparison. We have to be present where God has us in this moment, be able to speak truthfully with compassion and empathy about what we did, how we did, and where God has brought us through the fire um, so that we can encourage others who might be facing the same choice. Maybe they'll make a different choice. Maybe they'll choose life. Maybe they'll choose Um, the truth Um, that's their choice to make but we can at least speak a truth where somebody else might not have the guts to do it Mm -hmm. um, because we know what it's like on the other side so right and and people people just don't talk about it you know I I um kind of make a little bit of a joke or or it's not really a joke I've made an observation through the years especially with social media and I can always tell when a couple and you got to remember, I wasn't part of the Catholic world, you know, right. for for a while. And I always knew when a couple made a permanent sterilization move. Do you know how? How? They got a puppy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? They and got look a at puppy our world. They had to put. Mm-hmm. They had to put something present that they could care for and nurture that mm-hmm. was less terrifying than a child. Mm-hmm. Isn't, wow. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. Um, now, I'm sure that that's not 100% true. <laughs> it's not a perfect right. litmus test, but um, but yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, I want to I go back to a couple things. I, I want to go back to the infertile couple in just a second. Um, there's, there's this piece that I, I want to share about my own experience, um, and that is repentance. So if mm-hmm. there's someone out there who has made that decision to sterilize in their marriage, when uh, when we came back to the church and I made my initial, I was raised Catholic and I came back, so I had to make my right. my uh, confession, and it was I don't know like twenty years worth of stuff, fifteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. something like that, a lot, and sterilization was one of them, and when I made that confession. Number one, I wasn't aware of theology of the body yet. I didn't have that understanding. And I was still at the point of, I'm really good with my five kids. And um, I, this is exactly how I said it in my confession. Father, I know I'm supposed to be sorry for the sterilization. And I'm, and I'm sorry because I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm sorry because I know I went against God's teaching. And what God knows is good for me, but I'm just not really sorry yet. <laughs> and so, and what did he say? Um, I think, I mean, he's like, "That's okay." Um, you know, it, and by the end of it, he's like, I, "That was a a beautiful confession." It, I was, I was being as contrite as right. I could in that moment at the time. At yeah. the time, and so, um. The, the grace of repentance, 
Like repentance is a grace. We cannot be repentant without God's grace. And so I would actually pray, Lord, give me the grace of repentance so that I would even know my sin, um, but grow saddened, more saddened by my sin so that I will reject it. And um, that's a powerful prayer. (laughs) I know know, it's kind of scary, right? I I should probably actually start praying that one again. But I, I, um, he did that. And we had a missionary come. It was probably about a year, right about a year from when I I made that first confession back. And I don't know what it was. It was during Lent. And all of a sudden, I mean, I was grieved. The grief of yeah. what I had done, the repentance of what I had done was there. Like God answered my prayer for that grace. And so I just want to encourage someone, if you're in that spot and you're still not feeling very sorry, um, just ask God to help you in that. And and it's okay. Like we really do all have our own journey. It's not that I was a bad Catholic because I wasn't really sorry. Um, right. Um, anyway, well, you hadn't you hadn't come to the complete understanding. Well, that's true of what you know of what of what it was that you had actually done. Yeah, and that's you know that's our lack of catechesis. That's our lack of knowledge of our own faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me. It was two thousand seven when we had our theology of the body moment, and really it was I had already confessed the sin. And I was sorry for the sin, and I was contrite for the sin, and I was grieved way before my husband was grieved. But when Jerry finally came to that place, and we were at um, we were at a theology of the body uh, class in Pennsylvania, and they walked through, you know, the idea of objectification, sterilization, birth control, all of that, that barrier between husband and wife. And you watched him over the course of a day just get smaller and smaller as a human Mm. and just kind of shrinking into himself. And I knew that he had had the realization that I had had earlier that it had landed with him. You know, it had really landed as to what we had done as a couple and to our family. And um, it was just God's grace and the beauty of God's grace that um, helped him to see... um, what we needed to do and the first thing he needed to do he felt was to ask my forgiveness and um i actually write about it in the book um it was this beautiful moment on the back porch of a retreat house and he just asked my forgiveness if he you know for any time he ever objectified me during that intimate act or at any other time in our marriage and he asked permission to renew our wedding vows. Mm. And so we did, just just the two of us, just quietly amongst ourselves. Um, I forgave him. And it was a true forgiveness, you know, the kind that comes from the bottom of your feet all the mm-hmm. way through your heart and your soul. And you just, we knew it was a very, very special moment. And God was so present with us. We had just gone to confession. Like, my confession lasted an hour almost. It was a specialized type of um, confession. Priests had been trained to hear things like um, sexual sins and and things of that nature to be able to counsel. And so the people that were there that weekend were just really unburdening themselves. Praise Jesus. They had that opportunity. And Jerry had been in confession for quite some time. And so this was after that. And we just felt like that was what God was calling us to. And so we had that beautiful, sweet moment. And um, 
we have not looked back since. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, um, you know, we, um, we, we're asked now to talk about these things in a way we've never been asked to talk about these things before, because you're right, nobody talks about it. Uh, nobody talks about porn within marriage. Nobody talks about um, sterilization, birth control, what that does to a marriage. Um, and we have to be talking about it because there are people, the walking wounded exist outside our door, and there are people that need to know the truth um, gently, empathetically, um, that there is freedom for them that there is redemption for them, restoration for them, and um, we need to come to that um, as a people, not judgment. I'm not here to judge anyone that belongs to God and God alone. I am not judging your choices. I am not judging what happened in your marriage, what you chose to do, what you did not choose to do. That is between you and God. But what I'm saying is, if you don't know the truth of it, then how are you going to live a different life? Mm -hmm. And how are you going to make a different choice? So it's simply, um, you know, if now I'm very open when I go and speak in conferences and, and we give retreats and, you know, you have this beautiful woman who comes up to you and she's like, I just didn't know. I didn't know, Mary, and they're in tears and you're like, it's okay. It's okay. You didn't know. All right. Well, father's right over there. I'll walk with you. Just have a conversation. It might not even be a moment for confession, but talk to him. Talk to, you know. See where you are. What is it you can do? How do you get rid of that feeling of guilt or that feeling of shame that you've been carrying and you've expressed in different ways, but you didn't know the root of it? Hmm. And now you do. And now you can you can let it go and give it to God and allow Him to work through it. He's going to always work through the most broken parts of our hearts. Wherever we have been broken, that is where His glory is going to shine through. So, you know, hey, let's write a book about um, how you lost a child and let's write a book about addiction and pornography and see where God <laughs> leads you to speak for the rest of your life and where he leads you to to sit and um, who he asks you to minister to. And that is where you're going to find yourself. And it's for me, it is just the greatest privilege that I've ever been given. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, we've been so poorly catechized in our faith that there are many who just um, get very angry and and uh, they get very resentful when you speak truth. And um, you have to be strong enough to say, I, I hear your anger. Um, I know it comes from a place of woundedness, but truth is truth. Mm-hmm. And be strong enough to stand in it. And uh, not an easy place to be, but it's much better place to be than where I was. Yeah, makes me um, <clears throat> also call into mind from Mass this morning. I don't know why, of all the Masses I've sat through, the, these words just were so loud during the Eucharistic prayer when Father says, when he's talking about God's mercy, like the dewfall. May it fall yeah. like the dewfall, which is not exactly the words. Yeah, it falls like the dew and it surrounds and covers everything. There's nothing that escapes it. Yeah, and and I just thought, and you know, <laughs> every morning, every morning there is dew. And the scripture says that his mercy is new every morning. And that really is our only hope. That is our hope is that his mercies are new uh, every morning, uh, every and moment. And it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful place to be. I mean, if we call ourselves Christians, 
then we have to stand in the hope of the resurrection because death does not win. Sin does not win. It's already been destroyed. Mm-hmm. So we have to stand in that place. And just like the beautiful Eucharistic prayer says, you know, our, His mercies are new every morning. The dew is present every day. There's there's no place that it doesn't touch. You know, He's waiting for us to say to Him, I, I get it. I, I see what I did, Lord. I'm so sorry. I'm so contrite. Please forgive me. Um, please renew me. Please restore our relationship. He's just right there. Mm-hmm. He's right there right now. And he's like, oh, yes, daughter. Oh, yes, my son. I'm here. Thank you for turning your face back toward me and not away. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what we do when we sin. It's our own selfishness. We we say that we know better than God and we turn our face from him and we begin to walk away. And he's just waiting with open arms to say, I love you. I love you so much. I offered my only son for you. And he loved you so much that he still said yes, knowing every sin that would be committed. He was in that garden. He saw it all, saw the future, the past, everything. And he still said, your will be done. Mm -hmm. And he still chose to die for us. So when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, um, he loved me so much that he died for me. And so I strive to love him back with that same intensity and that same devotion and i fall and i trip and it's sometimes really really (laughs) ugly Mm -hmm. but his mercy is there his love is always there it never ever fails amen can we turn i want to i want to close up talking about the infertile couple and let me explain what i really mean by this and and you may say, I, don't, I can't, I can't speak to this. But this is, this has actually been a question of mine as um, restoring our fertility um, was very healing for me, very healing for our marriage and being open to life and knowing that it really could happen at any month, despite it not happening for the last three, four years, however long it's been now. Um what everything we've talked about is is that about that fruitfulness and the giving mm-hmm. of your whole self and so when menopause hits we know that they're you know our bodies naturally stop um being fertile in that way um so how can we shift our mentality. Oh, do you even know where I'm going with this? So, in an infertile couple. Are you couple, asking me about meta- menopause or just an infertile couple that never has given birth to a child physically of their like own body? Both. How can we encourage couples who um, cannot have children uh, are, and, and then also, because there has to be some correlation between an infertile couple, even though they're in childbearing age, and an and a postmenopausal couple who Well there's there's a danger that exists in a postmenopausal couple menopausal couple uh, for that obju- objectification to kind of seep back in. That that does exist. You right. know the, so that's really I mean, kind that, of my Yeah. That temptation is always there. It's always there whether it doesn't matter your age. If you are um, in a in in marriage and I'm just gonna speak within the bounds of marriage, that temptation exists for any couple no matter where you are 
on that, um, on your fertility journey. Okay. Whether you're in, um, whether you can physically have children, um, or whether you're postmenopausal, wherever you are, objectification of one another exists. Um, that temptation exists. So you have to always be on guard against it. Um, I think, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm so sorry. No, I'm, like, okay. I'm, so quiet. I'm like, Oh no, what did I do? I'm just internalizing. Um, yeah. Yes. No, you're good. I think that you have to, um, we have to prepare ourselves every time we enter into that most intimate act. Now an infertile couple who's young, who is unable for whatever medical reason to have children, I think it's a little bit different because there's an ache that exists there. Mm -hmm. There's an ache that exists there to have a child of their physical body. And for whatever reason, God is not allowing that to happen. Um, in that situation, I think what, what happens, I know in my experience listening to friends and accompanying friends that have gone through this, the ache, um, their temptation is to jealousy, is to comparison, is to um, anger that why can't it be me that has the baby? You know, I, I've had friends who I've had conversations with after I ended my ability to, to have a child who were angry mm -hmm. at us. Mm -hmm. Yeah because we destroyed our own fertility they were angry we yep. lost friendship over it and i never and that was part of me kind of waking up to realizing what i had done and i didn't look at it as gift i looked at it as duty and um and so that happens and then you have this postmenopausal situation where i've walked with friends who there are many women who are like, good, we, we can't have children anymore. Great. I don't really want to have sex anymore. Right. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. There, it, there's a restorative act that takes place during that most um, intimate of actions. This is how your spouse loves you. Men physically love. This is one of their great gifts is to love and protect physicality, you know, with their physical bodies. And so you're saying, oh, no now that you can't have any more children like you're done with that mm -hmm. i mean no that's a big no the church says no to that too <laughs> right and so you have you know so there's this i mean sex is messy it's it's so much emotion and so much um angst and you know as as christians and catholics we're, we're told our whole lives no no you can't do that you can't do that we get married it's like oh be sexy now yeah you're like wait what what i, I don't even understand you know i've been told like don't have those thoughts. Don't do this. Don't do that. And then all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be flip on a switch and just go, hey, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, it's, no. it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. Two relationships, primary. One, yourself and the Lord Jesus, where you're called to be, what he's allowing in your life and within your marriage. You're second to your spouse. That's your primary vocation. Um, I know that for us and everything that we have been through, I grieve um, I grieve my fertility. I grieve not being able to have more children that comes up from time to time where I see it and I just give it to the Lord as a gift. I'm like, Lord, you've already forgiven me for this. We've already walked through this, but this is a bruise that exists. It's a grief that exists. Here it is. I give it to you as gift. Then you have this whole menopausal thing where it's, 
you know, it's all about relationship and conversation. Um, you know, menopause is not easy for a lot of women. There's hot flashes. There's hormonal imbalance. There's there's all kinds of physical things that happen to you. And you, a lot of the times you're just like, yeah, and that's a no for me today. You know, uh, and, and it's, it's not because I don't love my husband. It's just there's so many things happening within my body. It's crazy town. Mm-hmm. And so they themselves, we're not really talking about husbands a lot. These guys... They have to be. They have to be strong in their faith because you're asking them during the most fertile years of their life to abstain for grave reason if necessary. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to deny their to deny everything that says go team go let's go. Okay. <laughs> team. And then, I love it. You know, <laughs> and then asking them later in life where they're like, "This is great. We you know we've come through this beautiful season and now we're in menopause and so." I know that we can, you know, come together as husband and wife and and without um, worry or concern or maybe there's even sadness that there's no more babies, you know, whatever it is. And now you're going through menopause and all these things are happening to your body and you're like, and they're going, go team, go. And you're like, and that's a no. I mean, these, <laughs> these got, you know, and people don't really talk about it. They're just, they, they look at, at men as these beasts, you know, who can't oh, control themselves. Yeah. And, I remember talking to my mother, you know, I'm one of eight, and my mom had eight kids in 10 years. And I remember talking to her somewhere in my 30s after we had talked about all of this, and, and I was in the, on my journey toward restoration myself. And she looked at me and she said, you know, Mary Beth, she said, a lot of people always saw your father as sort of like this animal that we had, you know, eight kids in 10 years and couldn't he control himself. And he goes, do you understand that that man lived like a monk for 10 years? You know, like we would come together and we would ha- we would get pregnant and then my mom would be sick and then she would be tired and there would be another baby and more babies. And she mm-hmm. goes, that that man loved me. And, you know, we pretty much when we came together, there was another baby mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. So he lived like a monk for 10, 12, 13 years. And people think that he was this horrible, you know. In, irresponsible man and she goes I know the truth of it and your father knew the truth of it and so therefore we stand in that truth and whatever people are going to say is what they're going to say it's none of their darn business anyways mm, and amen. so that's why I say we can't judge that you know right. but infertility is its own cross whether it pri- be primary or secondary it's its own cross and I I don't know why God allows it it it, it hurts my heart to witness it um, you know, I've seen the beauty of adoption. I've seen the beauty of spiritual motherhood come to fruition in these beautiful couples. And and I just, you know, I I just want to put my arms around them and tell them how much I love them and 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 that we'll walk with them in the journey. Um, you know, we'll do um, these things together. And um, I just want to do that. And um, You can't always do that. A lot of the times you just are required to pray and and seek the Lord's guidance and seek the Lord's consolation. Mm -hmm. And as far as later in life when menopause comes, sex is beautiful. It is a it's as beautiful as it was when you were younger, but it's different. Mm -hmm. And there's a richness that exists there. There's a richness of how our bodies talk to each other. There's a beautiful story unfolding. Um, there's going to come a time in our lives where we will not be able to make love to one another. There's going to, I mean, it will happen Mm -hmm. if we live so long. Right. And so then what happens if that conversation and that deep friendship and that relationship is not being built upon now, what are you going to do when it's, when that act is, is, is 
you're not able to do that anymore. Right. How are you going to love them? Right. How are they going to love you? And so that's, it builds, you know, life builds upon um, the years. And you look at the times when you abstained properly as a young person and now in middle age and then later age, it's building this relationship. It's richening um, the conversation. It's the roots are being dug deeper um, into that fertile soil as today's gospel was about. And, and, you know, our faith is being deepened, our marriage is being deepened. And I love this man that I said yes to 31 years ago more than my heart bursts at the thought and more than I ever could. He still drives me crazy. <laughs> still full work is all get out. He's still grouchy and grumpy, but he's my guy and he would lay his life down for me. And he has done that time and time again um, throughout our married life. And yes, we were stupid and we were young and we were selfish and we did, we made the wrong choices. But when we came to the realization of what we had done, we sought the Lord's redemption. We sought his forgiveness. And, and to live in the land of freedom where those chains are broken is a beautiful, beautiful gift. And I know it's a gift. And I want to live in the land of the gifting and the land of the peace and I want to be able to um, be free of that. And so that's what we've strived to do. And when difficulty comes, when we are, we have friends who are infertile, we have friends who are dealing with loss of a spouse or loss of a child or what have you, you take their hand and you walk with them. Mm-hmm. You pray with them. You open your home to them. You you love them as you would wish to be loved in those same circumstances. And that's what we are called to do, mm-hmm. is to love one another. Because I believe in the end, he's going to ask me one question. And that question is, how did you love in my name? Amen. And I want to be able to say, with my whole life, Lord, even when I messed up with my whole life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and despite what the culture says, sex is not like the holy grail of life. It's not. Trust me, from someone who's had a lot of it and then not a lot of it through various times of desert, uh-huh. uh, sex is not the epitome of my marriage. Mm, yeah. It's not It's not my point at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the friendship and the sacrament that exists between my husband and I, um, those moments when you literally are holding one another and you're just holding on for dear life, you know, through the loss of a daughter, um, through the depression of a son, through the loss of jobs, through the death of, of uh, both of our fathers, through, I mean, these life things, uh, mm-hmm. through hardship, through loss of job, through, I mean, just you cling to one another and together you cling to the cross. And that beautiful little uh, Trinitarian relationship is what is the most important thing, the most beautiful part of married life. Amen. And I'm I'm not really sure we could say anything else, close up that conversation in in a more beautiful and succinct way than what you just did. And so I'm just, if you don't have anything else pressing on your heart, I I just want to say. I I want people to know that forgiveness is available, that restoration is available. It is not easy. Nothing in this life was meant to be easy. Um, it's all our, our spouses are give to, given to us. They are our path to sanctification. They are the flint against the rock. Um, and they lead us to heaven. 
And so I just, I, my hope and my prayer is whoever hears this, whatever decision they've made in their life, if they have not sought peace and restoration, that they know it is there for them. Um, just all they have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is, is seek it out. And um, for those that are struggling with infertility, whether primary or secondary, just, I just, I pray for them. I, I just, they are on my daily list of prayers for all couples that are dealing with that. And I just want them to know that they're not walking alone, that they're seen, known and loved. Uh, and they are needed in our church and they are welcome in our church and in our world. And, and God has a plan for that, that for that specific suffering, some something redemptive and beautiful and restorative will come from it. I know it and I've seen it and uh, I just want to give them hope that redemptive suffering is when we glean that little piece of the cross, that little splinter that we get to hold, um, you know, and walk with him and offer up uh, for the glory of the cross for what he did for us so that yeah. they're known and, yeah. and loved. And and just to say, I'm sorry on behalf yeah. of all those who have judged you, who have said really hurtful things, m- making assumptions about your private life. And um, I'm just, I'm sorry yeah. um, that they've Amen. had to suffer that second suffering from those who were supposed to be building them up and encouraging, encouraging them. And, and instead, yeah. we're, we're tearing them down with our really harsh statements and judgment. So, well, I am so thankful that God appointed our time. I'm so thankful that we had a little break (laughs) in between because I think it really, it gave us the opportunity to, to stretch this conversation and not worry about time. And, um, God redeems everything and, and, and Courtney really redeemed. (laughs) She really redeemed today. (laughs) She really did. (laughs) She really, really did. Um, she doesn't so, mess around, no, my girl. No, she doesn't. She she made it happen. She said, yes, this window of time, you're going to finish that conversation. Yeah. And um, I'm just, I'm thankful to finally get to really talk with you and share you with my listeners and your story. And thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your openness. Thank you for your faithfulness and authenticity because you will you and um jerry you're you're changing lives especially in those teens yeah um i don't know if they think so but well (laughs) you're planting the seeds and they are there um they are there and gift they truly are yep and so i just from the bottom of my heart i say thank you and um, thank you for having me it has been an absolute joy and a privilege um it's not often you get to talk about these things in depth as we did today, and I just appreciate the Holy Spirit working it out as the great encourager, making it happen. So, Amen. And I'd also like to say if anybody is listening and um, anything in our conversation has touched them in a way that they would like to have further conversation, I'm, I'm always willing to make myself available for um, encouragement, and I'm... I'm putting you on the spot, but 
I bet, Absolutely. Mary. Oh, you can direct message me. You can email me. I do it all day long. And it is a privilege and an honor to pray for and with people, um, to send them resources if they don't have them in their area, information, whatever it is. Um, Jerry and I have always been open. Our door is always open. And that means uh, the window to the internet as well. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, however, um, whatever questions people may have, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll do my best. And if I don't know it, I'll find somebody who does. No. Amen to that. So, um, all right. Thank you, Miss Lineberg. And you have a most wonderful rest of your day. And I will be praying for you in, in your mission to go out and share the good news. Thank you, Miss Becky. It's been a privilege. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Thriving in the Trenches. I have hope that it will have encouraged you in your journey and that you will know the love of God even more intimately. Please share this podcast with a friend on your social media pages or leave a review in iTunes. You are welcome to join me on our Instagram or Facebook group where we can grow in friendships. Thanks for coming. It's so much more than just a profile picture. At Catholic Singles, our platform offers you many opportunities to get to know the person behind the picture. Sign up today at catholicsingles.com. Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at caneford.com.